You're listening to The Real Wealth Show with Kathy Fetke, the real estate investor's resource. Are you wondering where the best place to own real estate is over the next decade? Well, follow the demographics. I'm Kathy Fetke, and welcome to The Real Wealth Show. When Rich and I started buying properties out of state in 2004, we chose Dallas, Texas, because it was one of the fastest growing metros in the country. We paid between $120,000 and $140,000 for brand new homes in Rockwall, Texas that rented for about $1,300 to $1,500 a month. Those homes have since tripled in value. So where can you find that kind of opportunity today? Well, just stick with the same fundamentals and follow those demographics. Economists predict that Florida will add 1.4 million new residents by 2025. Developers are trying to keep up with that demand, but can they build fast enough? It's pretty tough these days. As a result, both home prices and rents are on the rise. Our guest today is one of Real Wealth's trusted property teams based in the Tampa area, and he's here to give us an update on what's going on in the Sunshine State. Well, David, welcome back to The Real Wealth Show. So good to have you here. Kathy, it's a pleasure. It was uh, amazing uh, being out in your amazing house care quite recently. So it's good to see the recording studio once again. <laughs> yeah, for our listeners, we, you know, once or twice a year, it's usually twice a year, we bring all the property teams that we work with nationwide together in a mastermind. And even though they're technically competitors, they share their their best practices and how to find more inventory for our members. And, and they really act like one team, like they're all in the same team for the benefit of our Real Wealth members. And so I'm glad you mentioned that. It was great to see you and be able to see each other in person. It's absolutely invaluable. I really love everybody. And I mean that sincerely. I just love each one of these teams. I love their sincerity. I love their professionalism. So yeah, it's just, as we said at the time, and I'll say it again, it's always an honor to come out and be part of such an elite uh, group of people. Oh, I appreciate that. I don't know when it happened. It seems like it was maybe maybe five years ago when one of our teams said, you know, I want to be more involved with whoever is part of the Real Wealth Network because whatever they do reflects on me. And I want to make sure everyone is at the top of their game. And 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 we That's all right. have solutions and answers. We should be sharing that and not having one team learn the hard way, something we just learned, right? That sounds vaguely familiar, Kathy. It might have been, it may even have been me at the time. It might have been you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thing. It makes life so much easier when there is um, when the same standards are being uh, upheld to, regardless of the market that you're in. So again, creating that standardization across real wealth networks groups has been amazing over the years. It's been amazing to watch and great results as well. Oh, that's cool. So anyone new to real wealth and and what we're talking about here, we are an educational company. We teach people the ins and outs of owning a rental property, and then we are a referral business as well referring to companies nationwide who help investors build their portfolio by finding them the properties, renovating them if needed, working with builders. Um, you know, obviously those properties don't need renovation, but they better be in good areas and they better be good builders. And there's not okay. always good builders out there. And then offering the ongoing property management to really take care of people who are who are buying property, investment property out of state. So we have about 15 teams and everybody's standards were different 10 years ago. You know, we had Tampa is going to have different standards than, say, a property in Ohio because you have different weather, uh, you have different laws. That's right. Some of the basics need to be standardized across the board. And that's what you guys created together. You were demanding excellence from each other. That took the pressure <laughs> off of us. It's kind of like 
being a parent saying, all right, brothers and sisters, you make sure you're all, you're all behaving. <laughs> but it's, you are exactly right, though. It's, uh, we wanted uh, and we still hope to create a, an environment where the buyer experience is similar no matter what market they buy in. Because all of these teams are incredible in their own way, uh, but to create a, a standard buying experience and a standard buying expectation, it just allows buyers then to build up their portfolio with a bit more confidence in that if they have experience A in, in market A and they have experience Z in market B, mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of hard to build up your portfolio. And here in my group and here in my, in my city and what it is that we try and achieve is we try it's very important that investors have the confidence to build their portfolio beyond that first house or two or three or four, because you know anyone who ever talks to me, Kathy, knows that I'm I'm a, I preach all day long the fundamentals of real estate investing, and you know you you cannot create really meaningful wealth in real estate investing by doing one or two houses. And um, so if you have a terrible experience on your first or second house and you decide not to do it again and say, well, that's it for real estate, I'm not going to invest in it again. That's awful because you've just closed off one of the most productive channels for creating wealth in your life just because you had a bad experience with a sewer in Cincinnati. Sorry, Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, it's kind of like Rich. He he proposed to two girls before he got to me. If he gave up, we would never have this 25-year oh, awesome marriage. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Poor old Rich. I, I didn't quite understand. He was uh, trying so hard. <laughs> yeah, he, he just hadn't met me yet. No. Um, okay. So, so Tampa, and Tampa has had its ups and downs, right? Uh, it Tampa got hit so hard in 2008, 2009, because it was kind of a speculative place before that. People all over the world were just buying property, um, expecting it to go up in value and and maybe not having the fundamentals in place. Were you in the Tampa market during that time? Yeah, well, we were in 2008 and 9 and 10, we were all over the Florida market. Um, We were were buying at that time, uh, broken condominium communities, these basically these developers who were doing condo conversions and they couldn't sell them because you know Fannie and Betty were not funding on them. They were not lending on them. So there's nobody literally in the United States that wanted to buy that type of product. And uh, so these were typically you know two bedroom and three bedroom condominiums that you know would rent for a thousand dollars. So while the the builders and these condo conversion guys are trying to sell them, you know, in 2005 and 2006 at let's say two thousand two hundred thousand dollars, you know, we were picking them up at ninety and a hundred thousand dollars. In 2009, 2010, there was one thing that was static, and that was the rents. So, you know, when I look back at at that time, yet Tampa, Florida in general was hit. Various markets were hit very, very differently. So, you know, the Orlando market, you know, that that experience in the Orlando market was very different than the Fort Myers market, and different neighborhoods in the same city. So, A class neighborhoods, so high, really high quality A-class neighborhoods where your doctors and your lawyers and that type of folk live, their experience of the downturn was the neighborhood experience was much different than the lower income neighborhoods. That The, the lower income neighborhoods, that downturn went on for an awful lot longer than it did for the A-class neighborhoods. And so it really boils down to just the neighborhood you were in, the product that you were in, were you in single family, were you in multifamily, were you in what, what type of product you were in? 
But the one thing that stayed constant, and I and I traded right through it, Kathy, and this is the most important thing that any real estate investor should know and learn, is that my experience of the last downturn was that rents stayed constant. So if you sold, it you know I really don't know why people were selling when when rents stayed reasonably constant throughout the last downturn. And if rent stays constant and you take a long term view on real estate investing, which we're going to talk about today, you're going to do very well. So that was my experience of it. Um, but yes, Tampa was Tampa had its fair share of problems in 2009 and 10 and 11 with the financial crisis. Well, I can tell you probably why they sold. They probably paid too much for the property and it never cash flowed from the outset. So if they did spend $200,000 on a condo and they were getting $1,000 in rent plus the condo fees, plus the taxes and everything, they were negative cash flow from the start, right? And, and that's just it, Kathy. Uh, sound real estate investing starts with sound underwriting. So if your underwriting is sound from the get-go, you should be able to navigate your way through any kind of real downturn. So always remember that. I think that they're very wise words. Coming in and in quote-unquote investing, where your underwriting doesn't pencil out and it's really just on a speculation basis that prices would go up, if you can't weather a few years of lower cash flow, you should re- you examine why you're really investing. If you're investing just because you hope prices will go up, that's a really, really unsound way to approach real estate investing in general. Yeah. And if we just kind of go back to that time, because a lot of our listeners maybe weren't investing at that time, or if they were, they didn't right. understand investment. So it, it, right. it was so easy to get a loan. You could get 100% financing. So I could go to Florida and buy five of those condos. I could buy 10 of those condos with a no money down loan. And in some cases, get a teaser rate where maybe it did cash flow for a minute until the rate adjusted to where now all of a sudden you're negative cash flow and you're yeah. trying to carry 10 of those properties that are all negative cash flow. And, and, and uh, you know that adds up. And then now add to it that the value of those properties is cut in half. Uh, why yeah. would, you know, that's why people couldn't hold. But if they had bought right, you're right. Why, why would it matter? If you bought, oh, and I'll, one more thing, the, the interest rate was 6 to 8%. So it was easy to get loans, but the rate was much higher. Today, right. it's half that or a third of what it was. And it cash flows for the most part. Not everything cash flows anymore, but you That's can right. get that. So let's say you bought a $200,000 property today. What would that rent for today? So I still work along, you know, we, we all... Remember the days of the you know the two percent rule and then the one percent rule, but I still work along the basic premise that if a property rents for about one percent a month on the outside, it doesn't have to. It could be 0.9, it could be 0.8, but if it, it rents approximately, so a two hundred thousand dollar home, if a two hundred thousand dollar home can rent for about seventeen hundred dollars, you know you're 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 right there. You're in the zone where it's kind of starting to make sense. So that would be you know that would be just like 0.8 percent of the value of the home, of the purchase price of the home, and that's day one. Now, remember, inflation, and anybody who's been to the store recently or doing anything else, anybody who's dealing with inflation right now will, will notice that rents are rising and the cost of everything else in the, in the ecosystem is rising. There's more dollars in the economy right now. So usually the day that you buy a home from a rental perspective, that's probably about the, the tightest it ever will be. You know, over time, your rents are going to rise and over time inflation is going to you know lift the value of the home and lift the um, 
there's other aspects of the home and your tenant is going to pay off your uh, amortized mortgage. So if you look at all of these numbers and you carefully look at them, you're probably going to be reasonably okay. The issue I have is when I'm out there and I'm working with realtors. And I was just out in Phoenix this week. I was looking at potential Airbnbs for uh, for myself, for my family. You know, I like to diversify as well. I was out in the Sedona area. And it struck me how few realtors knew how to underwrite. You know, I met a bunch of realtors last week out in out in the Arizona area. And it struck me just how few of them knew how to actually underwrite. They're like, oh, this is 1.1 million. Like, okay, so... You know, can I can we get the taxes on this? Can we get like what's the monthly rent on it? What's the you know what's the long term rent? What's the you know the short term rent? Like what are the fundamental backstops to the underwriting? And very few realtors knew how to answer any of my questions. So that's one thing I love about Real Wealth Network. Everything in the, your organization is underwritten with a sound basis and numbers, facts, and data, and that's how you protect yourself. Yeah, I mean, that's one of my dreams is to educate these real estate agents so they really know how to sell properly because, you know, clients are expecting them to be able to do it. Although there is a, there are some DRE rules around that, that uh, licensed real estate agents aren't necessarily supposed to be giving investment advice. But anyway, uh, it, it, you, you need to know numbers. <laughs> you need to know numbers yeah, and, a, okay. and understand a pro forma. Exactly. You really, you sound underwriting because there is one thing that, as I say, you know, there is one thing that's reasonably co- constant in real estate, and that is that, you know, the demand for rental housing will remain reasonably constant and the rents will remain reasonably constant. That is that is my big takeaway. I, quite frankly, is how I invest right now and how I look at the market. People are like, oh, do you think about this? And what do you think about that? And are we at the top of this, that or the other? And I know I traded through the last downturn on the basis of well-written, underwritten rents. And I could see what those rents were before the downturn. I could see what they were now, and I see what they were after. So the rents stayed reasonably constant. And I'm not saying that nobody out there has said, well, you know, when my market rents went down a little bit, but it's my experience that they stayed reasonably constant. And that's very important to understand. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So that was sort of a look back at the past and why yeah. Florida kind of got a a bad rap for being not a great place to invest because so many people were coming in speculatively buying stuff that never made sense at the outset. Uh, it was purely based on appreciation and it did work for a little while. If you bought between 2002 and 2006 and got out, you made money. Yeah, uh, if you didn't, right. you had to sit and hold those properties for 10 years or, uh, you know, or just let them go. But wow, have things changed. So fast forward yeah. 12 years and what we're seeing right now, I've got a few um, data points here. That the Tampa area came in as one of the top places for rental increases. I think it was, what was it, 11.5% nationwide is the increase in rents in the past year. And there are parts of Florida where it actually went up 31%. I don't know where those areas are. Maybe you do, but rents have gone up significantly. Have you seen that personally? Yeah, I have. I've had to kind of reanalyze even my own personal portfolio, Kathy. I think it's in the dense urban course uh, where you're going to see it, but even out in the outer suburbs. I think the reason being is Tampa and Florida is a very, very, very different place now than it was in 2004 and 2005. You know, the economy here has changed dramatically in that time. It's a much more tech, financial, corporate based economy than it was. Um, You know, the Tampa market is not a tourist market kind of at all. Um, I've got some really cool slides that show you just just quite how diversified the Tampa market is. 
But Florida in general, whilst everybody knows we have quite a large influx of um, retirees and, uh, and the like, and you know, if people traditionally think of Florida back, you know, back in the 70s and 80s and 90s as almost like an agricultural retirement place. That's kind of the, the, the how people kind of how older people kind of visualize it. But it, it's not like that anymore. Um, people are moving down here from all over this nation um, because it's dynamic. It's much younger than it used to be. Most of us can work somewhat remotely now. So it's still reasonably inexpensive on a national level. Uh, it's a really, really super high quality of life. So Florida has an awful lot more going for it now. It's just the economy has changed. So many of us can work from home. So many of us can are kind of almost job optional. And um, I think that's had a massive, massive effect on just who considers moving here. So I think our market is, is, is our, I think our rents have increased that level just simply because given the option, people would rather live here than in, than in a cold northern state, in my view. And I know I do. Yeah, and those cold northern states are far more expensive. So even if rents went up 30% in Florida terms, for many of those people from those northern cold states, it was still probably a bargain. That's right. Think about like a $1,000 rent going to $1,300. That's what it is. It's not, it's not like eye-popping, you know, because yeah. um, that's really where rents have come from. Rents have come from like, I always say like, like 1000 to about $1,500 is, your, is kind of your average rent here. Um, I think now the, like the, it's it's somewhere probably between you know thirteen and nineteen hundred dollars. You know it's yeah. not that much. It still caps out at about two thousand dollars across the market. Say that to somebody living in San Francisco or Los Angeles or New York, and it sounds positively bargain like. Oh well, yeah. I mean, I just talked to my friend who visited yesterday, and her her daughter is renting a room, a just a room for twelve hundred dollars in L.A. Uh, with three other roommates. Uh, who are also renting rooms. So yeah, to be able to get your yeah. own place and uh, pay about the same with more space, right? Yeah. And I live in downtown St. Petersburg and anyone who has been here, like I know you already know, but it's just so beautiful here. Really genuinely, my quality of life is insane. 20 minutes to airports. So I get to live in an amazing place right downtown. Kind of like for all you Californians, is kind of like downtown St. Petersburg is kind of a waterfront city, kind of like La Jolla in a little bit of a way, in that it's like college, like great bars, great restaurants, beaches, amazing lifestyle for a fraction of the price. So why wouldn't they come? Well, listen, David, I really should have listened to you a lot more. And um, I'm going to just smack my head a little bit because there's still you've still been bringing so many opportunities to me. And, and uh, you. you know, we're, we are ready to jump. But I would say, when I did visit you in St. Petersburg and I did end up buying a house, at least I did. I wish I bought 10, yes. not one at least. Yes, you did. But, you know, we had the opportunity zone opportunity and you you showed this whole area where we could buy lots for almost nothing. And I waited yeah. and all of a sudden they went up like 10 times in the time that I had to figure out the opportunity zone. Yeah. Did anyone end yeah. up buying those? Yes, they did. Um, I, I don't know if you want to hear the next minute of, of, what I of, have to of my say tragic here. story of not listening to you. Yeah, we were picking up like lots at that time. This is right at the start of the Opportunity Zone opportunity. Um, we were picking up lots kind of between nine and $13,000. And every single lot there now is between thirty dollars and $80,000. Um, so ah. that, that, boat, that boat has surely... And it's, do you know what it is? Is that if you go into these kind of what were... This Opportunity Zone program was really, really powerful. I didn't kind of quite appreciate just how. I knew there was an opportunity, but I didn't understand quite how. You go to those neighborhoods now, and they're, you know, 
they're right by downtown. People were buying like these these rundown homes in in really troubled neighborhoods, and they were buying these homes at like a hundred thousand dollars. Well, guess what? Enough people come in and buy those homes, and they build like seven, eight, nine hundred thousand dollar neighborhoods right like in these neighborhoods. So now it's just taking on so much velocity that the neighborhood itself now is highly desirable. So, oh, yeah. you know, but you knew it, that. You knew that. I could see it happening. I could yeah. see it happening for sure. Yeah, I mean, because it was just I, too I, close to down. It was too close to all the awesomeness you just talked about, all the nice restaurants and the waterfront and the little bike path and the boats and the beaches. And, that's right. Yeah, that's right. And the little how the little the little kind of rundown homes. I went down again. Went against everything that I do because I'm I'm a B class operator. I think you know that I like the kind of concrete block homes. Very, you know, in my investments that I own myself, they're like. They're B, upper B, they're what I call vanilla ice cream. They, they don't offend anybody. They just, they just do what they say on the tin. And they're very, uh, they're very functional. People like them. Um, and it's a, a very uniform product. So if you go into these kind of older neighborhoods with rundown homes and more questionable, um, when you're driving around kind of just more questionable dynamics, you say to somebody, Hey, this neighborhood is changing. I don't kind of like to bring somebody from California and drive them in and say, hey, if you speculate in this neighborhood, because I'm not a speculator. I like to bring people in and say, if you do this over the long term, you will do well. If you do this yeah. and you do enough of them and you hold them long term, you could create you know, meaningful, meaningful financial wealth for yourself. So I just I'm not a speculator. So don't feel bad about it, Kathy. I, I'm not a speculator either. I'm more <laughs> of a sound underwriter. Oh, you know, it was just simply a matter of just not getting around to it. But, you know, yeah. so that sometimes that happens. But you know what? On certain opportunities, you don't have that privilege to to wait and, you don't. and be lazy. You don't. <laughs> and you did plenty of other things. So you I can't did. do them all. Right. So <laughs> I wouldn't uh, I, I wouldn't uh, go and lick your wounds too much. You did amazing okay. things over the last few years. So, you know, Thank kudos you. to you. Thank you. All right. So we have a webinar at Real Wealth with you on Thursday, and that's like this week. Uh, if, that's right. if someone's listening to this podcast past, um, you know, past this date of of, of September 21st, then uh, you just go to realwealthnetwork.com and you'll find the webinar there recorded. But if you want to hear it live, you would go to realwealthnetwork.com, join. It's free. And you'll get to hear a much more in-depth webinar with you on what kind of opportunities exist. And listen, opportunities are changing all the time. When I first came to Tampa, you know, I was I was there during the whole boom, right? The whole mortgage boom. Uh, so we yep. were looking only at new homes because that's all there was. Then of course, in 2009, we we're only looking at foreclosures and that's that's all that there was. And now fast forward to today, everybody's chasing stuff in Florida, specifically Tampa, super hard, super competitive to find inventory. So what's the opportunity today? Okay, so I've just come back from a a big seminar um, with the all of the top you know hedge funds and institutional people in this country. I know what they're talking about. They have much better data than me. They have much better data than any of us. I know where they are looking. I know what their plans are for the next three and four and five years. And it's basically it's a Sun Belt. It's uh, this is the biggest institutional buyers in the nation. You know, they currently own about 82 or 83 percent, I believe, of the commercial world. They own about three percent of the single family home world. And that is where they are going to be chasing yield for the next decade. You know, they are going to try and create a situation where they own vastly more residential real estate than they currently do. 
their main focus of their attention is all in the Southeast and the Southwest. So to a degree in the Texas area, but largely in the Florida, Georgia states, that's where they're going to be targeting. So I'm happy to be in there right now. In terms of where the opportunities are in Florida, there are very, very certain pockets, very defined pockets, some densely urban and some suburban. Some suburban cities um, throughout the nation, but suburban cities in general are growing exponentially because the inner the downtown cores of a lot of these cities uh, become too expensive or they don't have the right type of inventory. So a family looking for a good school with a three bedroom, two bath for under $200,000 is not going to find that in Tampa at all, like just in the entire metroplex of, of Tampa. So where does work? Who's looking for what, where? One of the things I also have noticed over the last number of years, uh, certainly in the last year and a half, is there's no finished inventory. You know, everybody's selling new and, you know, there's a lot of supply chain issues around the world. Permits are getting delayed. Construction is slower than we'd all like it to be. And, you know, there's a lot of investors out there right now who want to buy their 1031 exchange or they want to lock in their cheap interest rates now and they want to get their investments going now. Well, on Thursday, I'm going to launch 10 in construction, single family home, renovated homes. So they're already there. They're already built. I already own them. Um, we're just finishing off roofs. We're putting the, the last touches of paint and kitchens into these 10 homes. So anybody with a 1031 exchange right now who wants to look at the Florida market, I would tune in on Thursday. It's not very often you're going to see anybody that has any kind of inventory and um, that's available uniquely for Real Wealth Network buyers. So Thursday, tune in and I'll give you the skinny on these 10 homes and they're ready to go. And I look forward to working with anybody who's got a tight timeline. Very exciting. All right. Well, I I always want to jump in and and uh, be one of the buyers too, but of course we let our members go first. <laughs> so please, please do when, when when they're scarce, please let the members get in front of you on that. Yeah, yeah exactly. But um, all right. So that's wonderful. People can go to realwealthnetwork.com. If you're not a member, you join. It's free. If you're already a member, then you'll already know about this um, about this event on Thursday. All right. Well, thank you so much for all your knowledge and you have so much more input and insight on how to build wealth, uh, which I hope you'll be sharing a bit on the webinar. I really do, Kathy. I, it's one thing to have real estate. It's one thing to be an expert in one market, but it's quite another thing to really understand why. I, I'm trying to teach my kids right now why they should do their homework. And I'm kind of looking at myself as a child and I say, well, what was, what was it that was missing for me or what is it that I got? And whenever I'm going to do anything, anything in life that, that I'm going to do it to, you know, to, to, to completion, I need to know why I'm doing it and I need to know the incentive for doing it. So the why and the incentive. And I'm very passionate about those two things. And I think that there's quite a big disconnect in investors, like really understanding the why and the incentive of how, how, how it actually works out. So I will definitely be touching on how to build wealth with real estate on the webinar. So I look forward to that. And the why, yeah, the why, why this over, um, say a stock, you know, something like yeah. that. Yeah, and how yeah. to avoid short-term thinking, short-term narratives, um, how to kind of get your head out of your, you know, out of your your social media that's scaring the the pants off you about this, that, or the <laughs> other. Like, how how do we keep our heads over the long term when there's just so much noise out there? How do we achieve that? So that's very uh, one of my as I get older, I'm and I become a more successful investor, it's one of my core tenets of my belief is how do we just put all that to the side and invest for ourselves and for the long term. Great. 
Yeah. Especially if you did make a bunch of money in Bitcoin. Well, you know, maybe it's time to cash <laughs> that in and put it to work. All right. Hey. Well, so great to have you here on The Real Wealth Show. I look Thank forward you. to your webinar on Thursday. And I look even more forward to seeing you somewhere in the world. We still have ice cream in our freezer when from the last time you were here. <laughs> and we have it. Thank you so much, Kathy. Uh, right. I really appreciate your time. And I look forward to Thursday. And thank you for joining me here on The Real Wealth Show. If you'd like to become job optional with rental property income, join Real Wealth Network for free and log into the website. As a member, you have access to the Investor Portal, where you can view sample property performance and connect with our network of resources, including experienced investment counselors, property teams nationwide, lenders, 1031 exchange facilitators, attorneys, CPAs, and more. And they've all been highly recommended by over 56,000 members at Real Wealth Network. To join, go to realwealthshow.com. Views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to realwealthshow.com.